This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The NBA playoffs mean next level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You clinch a win no matter what. And all DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for an even bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. And for each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet of up to 10 bucks if your same-game parlay does not hit. Here's what you want to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code ROAM. Bet 5 bucks on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code Rome at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions to apply. See show notes for details. Two kids was fighting. One of the kids took a rock and went and broke one of the store owner's window. And the store owner came running out, went straight to his shed, grabbed his double barrel shotgun, and just started shooting through the neighborhood. And fortunate, the bullet missed my head. But unfortunately, the buckshots went through my legs and my arms. Now it's cracking. Welcome back to the Jim Rome Podcast, episode 217, where this week we are going huge by going small, as in the smallest hooper in the history of the association, because my guest this week is the godfather of small ball himself, Muggsy Bogues. Muggsy just might be the most famous small dude to ever play the big man's game. But what he lacked in size, he, of course, made up for with enormous heart and enormous talent. He logged 14 NBA seasons after a legendary all-ACC career at Wake Forest. And now he's got a brand-new book out detailing that entire journey called Muggsy, My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball. Of course, he and I co-starred together in the timeless classic Space Jam, the real one, not the abomination that LeBron made last year. And I can't wait to hit all the above with him, so let's get right to it. It's episode 217 with 14-year NBA vet Muggsy Bogues, and it's coming at you right now. Muggsy, my guy, to say that it's been a minute would be a great, great understatement. It is so good to have an opportunity to get caught up and shop it up with you. How you living? How are things? Oh, man, I truly appreciate this opportunity. I'm doing well. Can't complain. Living down here in Charlotte, North Carolina still. Um, you know, just try to make my way. Good, good. All right, so you've written another book, and this one is entitled My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball. It is a tremendous read. Muggsy, the book opens up with you mentioning the time that you blocked a Patrick Ewing shot. Now we're talking five foot three on seven feet, and you blocked that shot. I'm guessing that you're going to get that into the book as early as possible. That could not have been an accident, right? Yeah, well, you know, I just want to give the audience a little insight 
of what was about to happen throughout the book. So give them the, some of the meats of the, you know, of the, of the, of the bones before it actually happened. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. So actually, give me a little bit of insight into that play. And we'll get into the entire book. But what do you remember about that play? And how were guys on both teams reacting to it after you did it? Well, of course, it happened so fast. And it happened um, where Patrick got a rebound. And he was, you know, he loved to do his fadeaway jump shot. And Alonzo Morning was guarding him at that particular time. I just so happened to be in that area. And, of course, I had a 44-inch vertical. I can get up off the floor. So as he, as he was doing his fadeaway, I just met him at the right time and at the right moment and let him know that he was going to be part of my highlight. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, that 44-inch vert, that certainly did help. So, Muggsy, you you talk about this, and it's in the title of the book, but I'm curious, what was it like growing up in the projects in Baltimore? Well, it was a challenge. You know, not only it was a challenge in terms of me trying to, you know, pursue the game, you know, breaking down those barriers, trying to, you know, change mindsets of people thinking that it only games should only be played just for bigger and taller players, but just being going outside your door you know, it was a challenge, you know, we have to watch over your shoulders on every given moment. And unfortunately for me, at the age of five years old, I got shot. And, you know, those are the things that you, that you endure, you went through and that the things that you've seen, you know, in terms of growing up, uh, but it becomes like it's normal for us, you know, in terms of how we go about our day-to-day uh, activities. So those are, the, those are the things that I was faced with as a kid growing up. And, uh, but, you know, we've all found our way to navigate our way through. Right, so the fact that you and I are even having this conversation is amazing, given what you just said, that you were shot at age five. I mean, you were so young. Do you remember very much about that day? What happened? What do you remember? Well, I snuck, actually, I suppose I've been in the house. I snuck out the house. Uh, my mom and dad didn't know exactly where I was. A, folk, a fight had broken out. Uh, two kids was fighting. One of the kids took a rock and went and broke one of the store owner's window. And the store owner came running out, went straight to his shed, grabbed his double barrel shotgun, and just started shooting through the neighborhood. And fortunate, the bullet missed my head. Um, but unfortunately, the buckshots went through my legs and my arm. You know, so it happened at such a young age. But I, I'm curious, like, as you got older and you realized that you could have lost your life and you were given a second chance, I'm curious, what did that do for your mindset and your perspective? Well, I think it strengthened my mindset. I mean, it allowed me to really start pursuing the game like I like I wanted to, um, without feeling any of the pressure with people saying you're too small, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. I think after enduring that traumatic experience, um, those words were just less of my worries. You know, it was more or less I didn't understand how to play the game. But once I was taught that information by Mr. Leon Howard, who was our director at the recreation center. Once I obtained that information, I mean, I was on my way, understanding that uh, way I needed to play and how I could be successful as a small guard. I mean, those were you know, things that I would start to focus on. Yeah, I bet, Muggsy. I bet as you get older, you start to understand that. But I bet on the way up, when you first start to play, right? I mean, how kids are. They can be extremely cruel and they can be brutal. And although you were always a gifted, gifted athlete, you were small. Like, you would come home and cry to your mother. What would she say to you when you would say to her, this is what I'm dealing with. It's terrible. What was her response to you? Yeah, those were the tough times. That was before I even got to Mr. Howard. Even before I start learning the information to understand how to combat them when they used to make fun of me. And that, that was right. At the early age, I used to go home crying to my mom, just letting them know how cruel the kids were. You know, they'd throw all the little small jokes they possibly could think of my way. And I didn't know why, 
you know, but thinking back, you know, being that small and the ball being bigger than you and, you know, that can be a little uh, uh, vivid for them to, to kind of want to joke about, but they were small as well, but just not as small as I was. Uh, but my mom used to just tell me, you know, as a kid, like any mother would see their kid upset, you know, give me that motherly advice and just always say to tie, you know, no one can be an expert on your life. No one know your capability, know your potential. And they sure can't measure your heart, son. If you want to play basketball, you just go right here to play. And that gave me the confidence to go back out there and continue to take that punishment and that cruelty from those kids until I once learned the game and was able to combat them, you know, with my play as opposed to, you know, just because of my height. Hey, can we talk skincare for a minute? Listen, I've been in front of a camera for a long, long time. Skincare is really important to me, and it can be complicated, especially for men who have never had a skincare routine. And face it, a lot of you dudes don't. That's where Tiege Hanley comes in. Tiege Hanley is a men's skincare company that helps guys start and maintain a healthy skincare routine by making the process uncomplicated. This is actually awesome. Let me talk to you, for instance, about the Level 1 system. It's the easiest way to get started, and it comes with all of the basics that you guys need to take care of your skin. The products included are a face wash, an exfoliating scrub, an AM moisturizer, and a PM moisturizer, a daily face wash to get rid of the dirt and grime on your skin, and a two-times-per-week exfoliating scrub to get rid of dead skin cells. And there's so much more. Way more that I can get to in this one spot. I'm telling you, it makes a difference. You want to take care of your skin. It's not going to take care of itself. But don't just take my word for it. Tish Hanley has over 5,000, 5,000 five-star reviews on their website from customers around the world. And because Tiege Hanley is sponsoring today's episode, they are offering you a great deal. Just go to Tiege.com slash Rome and you'll get 30% off your first box plus a free gift. That's T-I-E-G-E dot com slash Rome. It is an amazing deal. So Muggsy, obviously like your mom, she obviously knew life. She understood life. But when she was giving you that advice, did she know basketball? had no clue what basketball was about. I mean, she just knew her little baby was upset, wasn't feeling his best. And she just wanted to make sure that I felt good about myself, that I can continue to go out there and believe and do whatever I wanted to do. You know, and those words still resonate with me to the day, you know, just hearing those type of, you know, words that now you can reflect on that type of mother advice and still a confidence within myself. Um, and that didn't realize subconsciously that I was playing a big part in my life. But those words really resonated with me early on and gave me that confidence to just to keep going back outside those doors to pursue my interests that I was uh, that I was interested in. Maxie, explain that to me, because I think I've done this a long, long time, and this is not even an athlete thing, but a life thing. But it seems to me when somebody or lots of people are telling you, you can't do this, you can't do this, it's going to go one of two things, right? You're going to try and kill yourself to prove them wrong, or you're going to accept it. They must know. They're right. I'm going to shut down. Like, when you were really young, those things were hurtful, but clearly, clearly you got leverage on this. You were able to turn it on its head, and you did keep going out there, and you battled, and you were fierce about that. How were you able to take all that negativity and turn it to positivity or use it as fuel? Well, because I was interested in the game. And by being interested in the game, 
And after, as I say, after I endured, after that dramatic experience of being shot, once I learned the game and once I was taught the game, I felt like now I was understanding how to combat them and how to be able to be successful at something that I was interested in. And then as much as I felt like I continued to be successful, then I feel like I will get the respect that it came with that game. And then for me, I had that mindset. If I played against the best, if I had success against the best, I need to be included with the best. And developing that mindset allowed me to become this guy that named, his name is Muggsy, that people didn't realize my mama named me Tyrone, Curtis Bowes. But the way I played the game and how I was able to uh, impact the game um, allowed me to keep going out there and believing and just not even worrying about the naysayers but that's what you can kind of do. You can really fall into what the words and what them people believe in. But me, I believed more than what they was thinking. And I understood me more than what they understood. And I knew if it was just a matter of uh, me just going out there proving and letting them know, as I said, I was still breaking down, not only um, me trying to fit in, but the mindsets of coaches believing that a guy this size can impact the game the way I was impacting it. All right, so so much good stuff in that response. Like you were both those guys. I mean, you were Ty, but you were Muggsy. How was Muggsy different than Tyrone? Well, I would say they're the same, but you know, Muggsy just got this competitive nature in him, which you know is it, relentless. And uh, he, no matter what, he wants to win. He wants to win at all costs. And uh, now that I understand who Tyrone is, I'm so much laid back now and be more <laughs> reluctant in terms of. Uh, Keying about if I win or lose these days, it depends on whatever that competition is. But Muggsy was relentless. It didn't matter what it was. I mean, I was a wrestler uh, when growing up in terms of uh, trying to pursue that as a sport. Uh, I played ping pong, played baseball, and I wanted to win at all costs. And I wanted to feel like that you felt me anytime you compete against me, regardless of what the criteria was. Mm, I like that, too. The thing is, Mike, you figured something out that not only is an athlete, a high-level athlete, you figured out something that ben- would benefit anybody in life. You figured out at one point, my heart is bigger than my height. I've heard you say that before because we all have something, right? All of us have in our mind that we're not big enough, we're not strong enough, we're not smart enough, we're not good-looking enough, we're not thin enough, we're not young enough. But this whole notion of my heart was bigger than my height, when did you figure that out and what did that do for you? Well, I understood that at an early age. I always wanted to outwork my opponent. I always wanted to to be uh, the one that's uh, the last standing. Um, and I felt like if I had that type of work ethic, you know, by me understanding my height and people want to look at it as a disadvantage, but understanding, you know, if I outwork you, you know, and I understand the task at hand and I'm trying to pursue things that you trying to prevent me from pursuing, then, I mean, that it gives me a lot of leverage in, in, in terms of me knowing, understanding what my strength and weaknesses is. Um, because everyone, uh, especially the position I played, I just knew what it all meant and the responsibility that it brought, you know, how to run a team, how to make guys run you better, how to be that disruptive player on the defensive end, making that point guard have to get into the offense later than he would want to. Um, so all those things built up until me having an impact on that court. And having that understanding, I think the IQ of law also allowed me to be the guy that I am. 
So the best athletes know that your championship body is not built in a single day. The same is true when it comes to your long-term financial goals. Get financially fit with M1, the finance super app. It is commission-free, and it makes growing your money so much easier, and you can strategize for the end game. Build a custom portfolio or choose a pre-built portfolio that speaks to your goals. Then... Automate your everyday money moves and use your extra time to watch the highlights. They even make it easy to stick to your investing strategy by automatically rebalancing your investments every time you buy into your portfolio, keeping your investments close to where you want them. That way, your portfolio sticks to the plan for the long game. There are no huddle-ups necessary. So what you want to do is go to m1finance.com sports. That's m with the number one, and sign up and see why money, Investopedia, and Yahoo Finance are proud superfans of M1. So am I. That's M, the number one, dot com slash sports. Investing does involve risk, including the risk of loss. M1 Finance, LLC, member FINRA slash SIPC. So we're talking about this great, great new book, My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball, Muggsy Bugs, my guest. Muggsy, I spent a lot of time talking to you about mindset because I think it's so important, you know, as the smallest player in NBA history and you had such an amazing career. When you talk about the basketball itself, like you said, you were breaking barriers. Back then, everybody was looking. It's not just like you're not big enough. Everybody was looking specifically for the big guard, the big guard. It was always about the big guard. It's not like that you could look to anybody and say, that's somebody I can pattern my game after or that's somebody that I can identify with. At five foot three, like even to your point, tiny Archibald was still six one. That he was not tiny to you. So, like when you looked in the NBA, who could you identify with or emulate? Well, it, it was no one there. I mean, we I heard of the Charlie Chris and uh, watched uh, Calvin Murphy. Murphy, Calvin Murphy probably was the smallest guy that you can kind of compare it to. But you know, I, I kind of had a guy in my neighborhood, the one who kind of motivated me, that gave me the confidence that. This is possible. And his name happened to be Dwayne Woods, who happened to be small stature, was very successful at Dunbar High School, who went on to college to Virginia State. But I think if he would have made a different decision of going to Georgia, along with Dominique Wilkins, um, teaming up with him, I think you would have heard of probably another small guy that possibly would have been in that NBA uh, conversation. But I was just grateful and understood, you know, what I what I brought to the table and what I understood and what I knew. And I couldn't look at a guy that you see the tiny ultra ball. So I didn't have nobody I can kind of compare to. So I had to make shift, become this own one type of uh, dynamic player that, you know, I didn't have any type of uh, one that kind of showed me the way, especially on the defensive end, um, being that aggressive, picking a man up 94 feet, making them, earn his way across the half court, let alone the entire court. So I didn't have anybody to kind of look at that. That was something I had to develop on my own. Um, you mentioned Dunbar. You know I'm going to ask you about Dunbar. But when you talk about picking guys up defensively, like, so what was it like when you're 5'3 and you're going to battle with some of the fiercest point guards ever, guys like Magic, Tim Hardaway, Isaiah Thomas, Kevin Johnson, John Stockton, what were those battles like for you night in, night out? I mean, it was awesome. It was something that I, you dreamt about. Because, you know, one thing about us guards, guards do not like no one up in their face. They like cushion. And for me, being my size, I always had to use that as a strength, as something that as part of 
what I'm capable of, of doing in terms of disrupting you. And knowing that, uh, that added along to me becoming the player that I wanted to be because it let me be on the floor a lot longer. Um, knowing that you had to get the ball across half court. And any, nobody wanted to have to work the ball to get across half court just to get into their offense. And when you've been that type of player disrupted, you know, it's an IQ level for me as well, understanding the game, making guys think, making them understand what they don't want to do. So having that understanding of it, you know, for me, people don't realize the knowledge of the game allowed me to play more than actually my ability uh, because it allowed me to put me in a position more time than none and it allowed me to be able to see it uh, before they actually happen. So smart. So smart. I, I God, I love the guards of that era. Just the, the guys that I mentioned were amazing. If you had to select a couple of guys, like who who are the purest, fiercest guys, the guys that you really coveted going up against back in the day? I mean, all of them. I mean, we, that's you named some of the greats. I mean, you had we had the Stocktons. We had, like you said, you mentioned the Magics and the Tim Hardaway, the Gary Paytons, and we go all the way to the Fat Leapers and, you know, the Isaiah Thomas and go down to the Baron Flemings. I mean, night in and night out, the Mark Price of the world. So it was a battle, and that's what you love about playing in that era because you had those type of uh, great guards that you had to face, the Doc Rivers, the Kenny Smiths, Kevin Johnson. I could keep going on and on. And we we talking about Hall of Famers, you know, that we kind of uh, name it. And, and that's the beauty of it. You know, we had stars as well as superstars back then. And you relished in that moment. You relished playing against those type of players. And, uh, and I always felt like if I played against the best and have success against the best, I need to be included with you. No days off. Hey, clones, what do we want when we're craving protein and we need more energy? I'll tell you what we don't want. Bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. Nah, we want beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. No, Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. So it's tender and tasty. It's never tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. In other words, they take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach, anywhere at all. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Muggsy, I can remember when I got my career starting in television, I remember, I mean, obviously I loved the game and I love watching the guys, but man, God, I used to love talking to those guys. I'll never forget like sitting down with like Tim Hardaway. Like when he walked into the studio, there was just a different kind of swagger, you know, a different kind of vibe. And the same thing with the glove, you know, that point guards of that era were just a different breed. And then you got Dunbar. Now you played on one of, if not the single greatest high school team ever at Dunbar High. What do you remember most about your time there and those amazing teams that you were a part of? I uh, mean, what a special moment for us. I mean, as a teenager, I mean, you didn't think it could get any better. I mean, during that time, I mean, going 59 and 0 for two consecutive seasons was was no easy feat. And, you know, being able to do it with all of the guys, you know, myself, the late Reggie Laws, 
uh, David Wingate, Reggie Williams, you know, and for four of us to go into the NBA, uh, that was something unheard of. And three of us to be drafted within those, uh, I mean, in the first round. But all 15 guys on that team was fortunate enough to get a Division One scholarship. Incredible. That's how, that, that's how talented we were. You know, the college coaches didn't come to the games to recruit us because we used to beat teams pretty soundly. They came to recruit us at our practice, watch us play against one another to get a true assessment of what our skill set really was. Dude, that is, that is incredible. That is an absolutely amazing anecdote. I don't know what I like best about that, that you had four guys drafted, you had three guys taken in the first round, 15 Division One players, and then the scouts didn't even bother going to games because they could get a better read to see you guys competing against each other. I, I love all of that. You mentioned the late, great Reggie Lewis. For those, Muggsy, who do not know or don't remember, what was Reggie like as a player and, more importantly, as a person? Oh, man, how special, how special he was. I mean, even Reg in high school, he could have easily started. But our coach, Coach Wade, who was such a, a major influence of all of us, he understood the importance of having a guy of his caliber coming off the bench, being able to pick it up and keep us at that level no drop off or whatsoever. And then when he went on to Northwestern becoming the play was, and then when he got to, to Boston, I mean, he became the first all-star among all of us. I mean, he was the one that at the bird retired, put the Celtics on his shoulders, on his back. And he became that, 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 that superstar that they needed. Um, unfortunately, what happened to Ben Baez, because what, what happened with him and Baez would have been there together. Oh my gosh, it could have been scary. I mean, that's how talented, uh, Reg was. I mean, you talk to Michael Jordan. I mean, he said he was probably one of the only guys that kind of gave him a little difficulty because of his length and because of the way he played defense. Hmm. Muggsy Bogues is joining me for a time now. We're talking about his new book. It's called My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball. In fact, what about that, Muggsy? What does it mean to you to be the godfather of small ball? <laughs> well, you know, that's something that, you know, you kind of feel good about in terms of the journey that you've been on. And if all of us could be that godfather, myself, the Spud Webb, the Michael Adams of the crew, um, if we just don't see that type of smallness happening these days. And we want to continue to make sure that tradition uh, continues. Uh, we have five, nine guys that are still playing in the game today. Oh, I guess we could give Isaiah Thomas that title as five, nine. Um, so he's still out there representing uh, the small ball. But, you know, you got small players in terms of where they're looking at Stefan as 6'2 as a small guard. Um, but we want to make sure that we still be representative. We're out there contributing and impactful as we always have been. And, uh, and I'm just happy to be part of this fraternity, you know, and I want to continue to make sure that others out there believe that anything is possible. Um, because a lot of kids out here are now persuaded because of what people say of the place or box they want to put them in. And they shouldn't live their life that way. They should go out there and live their dream and try to fulfill it the best way they know how. Speaking of Stefan, now one of your best friends when you were on the Hornets, of course, was Dale Curry. And you saw his kids grow up. So you were very, very tight with the family and you saw the kids. Like, obviously, we're talking about great blood bloodlines here. But seeing Steph grow up, did you ever expect that he would grow into what he has become, a two-time MVP and one of the best to ever do it? Absolutely not. No one saw that. I mean, we saw Stefan as a great young man, a great individual, a great little player um, who had a lot of aspirations of one day playing in college. You know, if he gets to the NBA, that's a blessing. But, you know, that's where I had it. Um, but once 
he got um, to Davidson and the confidence that he start to have and the way he start to play, then I start to see a different Stephen Curry. I start to see a pro Curry. I start to see the opportunity that him could be a really good professional basketball player, but not to the level to where he became a two MVP uh, champion, three-time champion, uh, to be two, win two MVPs, I should say, become a three-time champion. I, I didn't see that coming and becoming the best shooter in the history of whoever laced it up in the NBA. I mean, that is mind boggling to me, knowing that I was giving that kid a little airplane ride at the age of four in our locker room. That is an awesome story. And of course, you were picked by Charlotte in the expansion draft and the Hornets took my dude, my guy, Rex Chapman, as their first ever traditional pick. <laughs> my guy, man. He, Rex is one of a kind now and I know he loves you. What was Rex like as a player and a teammate back then? Oh, man, we love Rex. We love, we call him old scums, and that's our guy. I mean, for him to come in as young as he was, I mean, Dell and I just personally just took him under our wing. I mean, we both had families at the time. Rex was, you know, just straight coming from out of college who never even lived by himself before. He always went from his mama house to the dorms to now coming to living on his own when he came with us. He was so young. Uh, but knowing that here we hit, we saw this kid. I'm here. Not alone. You think white guys can't jump? I say, boy, but we that category definitely don't apply to Rex. The rest can fly. He can get off the floor. And the way he gravitated to us and our kids, I mean, it just became natural. I mean, it was a joy playing with Rex. I mean, he was a shooter. It was easy to get the ball to. I mean, having him on one side and Dell on the other. I mean, it was heaven for me. I'm just. Uh, just unfortunate for us, we weren't able to, you know, to play as long as we would like to, you know, and that happens when you first join an expansion team, then all of a sudden other draft picks start to come about and then all of a sudden teams start to think other, otherwise of you and um, you get moved on to other places to become a star. No man, that's how it always happened. Yeah, Mike, so you talk about Rex. I mean, you laid it out perfectly, what he was like as a young player, but and, and you know him, and I know him. It's just kind of hard to explain, like, the it that is Rex. You know, like, Rex is unbelievable. Like, if you just spend time with him, he's like, first of all, he is so smart. And yes. I don't even know how to explain the personality and just the presence and the swagger and his ability to tell a story. Like, you watch Rex on TV, and I would get him on the radio. By the way, and, and I'm not saying something that, he doesn't know. I'm the one that pushed him to get on Twitter. I'm like, dude, get on mm. Twitter. He's like, yeah, JR, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, no, 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 Rex, <laughs> Rex, go on Twitter. Go on Twitter, dude. Your stories, your, everything about you. You know what I'm saying, right? As a personality, yeah, there's nobody like this guy. No, he's so genuine, too. And that's what I love about Rex. I mean, he's transparent. That's one thing I love about him. And, uh, and he is perfect, perfect for social media, perfect for TV. I mean, Rex just so, he just have a personality that is just warming, you know, and it's affectionate. And, you know, having him being able to, you know, be at this space after all that he's in, went through, you know, I'm so happy and blessed to be able to still, you know, be, call him my brother, you know. So I'm just, you know, he and I sat down and did an interview with each other too to promote the book. So I'm so happy that we had that opportunity. Uh, Rex, I mean, he was a heck of a player. I mean, we know what type of player he was, but 
an unbelievable person as well. So I'm just happy, again, to call him my brother. No, I know he loves you. I know he loves you, and I, I knew you could help me explain Rex because Rex is Rex is hard to explain. He, he is extremely <laughs> genuine. Muggsy, I got to ask you before you go. You and I both had roles in the original Space Jam. What do you remember about being in the movie, and what was it like to shoot your parts? Oh man, it was a it was unbelievable. It was a it was a surreal moment for me being able to take part now what we consider one of the most iconic sports movies that's ever been done. I mean, being on that set for three weeks, we had a ball. Me, LJ, uh, and Mike, Charles, and and Sean. I mean, we had days where we was in the trailer playing cars. I mean, we had an opportunity where LJ was we were supposed to have a shoot that morning, but he decided to get a haircut from someone who wasn't used to cutting African-American hair. And uh, he wound up giving him a bowl cut. So they had to cancel the, cancel the shoot that morning. And we had to wind up coming back later on that afternoon. And he had to get another barber in to kind of tighten up his hair, dude, so he could take part in the shoot. Uh, but we had so much fun, man. Of course, the infamous great game that they had over for with uh, Michael in the gym um, that they had built a uh, stadium from, you know, while he was on set. So. Those were some great memories, great times. Oh, dude, those are great stories. That LJ story is great. I love that story. You know, I only, I, I did my part. I was only there one day, and you may or may not know this, but you guys did not invite me to be a part of those runs. What were those runs like? Well, unfortunately, I couldn't play because I had had surgery That's on my right. knee, but I was over there watching. Boy, there were some great pickup games. I mean, gosh. I mean, you had Reggie Miller. Everybody came out to play uh, because, you know, that was MJ just returning back. And uh, he was getting himself in shape and getting himself in condition. And everybody wanted to come out and, you know, take part of the, the greatest pickup games, as they say, took place in the summertime. Muggsy, I don't want to put you in a bad spot. You're a good dude. You're a classy dude. Classier than me, better than me. But have you seen the sequel and how badly LeBron has jacked up our movie? I'm sorry, dude. I'm just not doing well with this. It's keeping me up at night. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I saw the movie. I had to watch it, you know, just, just for GP's sake. I had to watch it. You know, for, for someone to get up on the screen to be able to, you know, to navigate his way through that, I'd give him, you know, I, I'd say he did a pretty good job. I don't like this. I don't know. Comparing it to us, I think we did a better job in terms of saving the planet as opposed to them saving him something from the digital world. You know, and plus we had a lot more stars than ours and we have some more characters. Uh, but, you know, to each his own. Like I said, you are a good dude and a classy dude, and I know you won't say it. Well, that, yeah, yes, we made we saved the planet. We made it better to each his own, and it is keeping me up at night. So, Muggsy, the book, I'm so glad that you took the time. Like, you had written a book before, and so much had gone on in your life, so you had so many new things to talk about, and obviously such so many messages to share, and the way you give back to the community is huge. For listeners to get the book, do they get the book wherever books are sold? Where can they get the book? Yeah, wherever books are sold, Amazon.com, you can order it that way. Um, but pretty much wherever the books are sold, you can pretty much try to find it. And I'm just so happy to be, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 I am definitely sorry. I was I was going to jump in and say how hyped I am that you and I could get caught up and chop it up again. But you finish your thought first. No, I was just going to say I'm just thankful to be able to put this one out because the first one in the line of Giants was more of a, a angrier book or just the beginning of my, my career. This has a lot more substance uh you know, it's about a person that some kid, uh, not only just a kid, a person that had a passion and then he chased it each and every day, you know, about relationships, not only the impact that I had on the players uh, that I play with, some of the current players that are playing today, the likes of the 
Stephen Curry, who did the fall with Chris Paul. But also, you know, my wife and I was able to rekindle our relationship, getting divorced for 10 years and being able to find ourselves back with one another. Um, and I was a boy probably back then when I was married early on. And, you know, all the things that we went through and find our way back. Um, it's something that, you know, we was honest about and I was honest about in terms of being able to reconnect. And here it is now. We've been married for seven years now. We were back for since 2015 when we got married. Um, so I'm just thankful for that relationship. And as you alluded to, giving back to the community. So hopefully they, someone can find this book and take a lot of things that they relate to, you know, things that they overcame, need to overcome, confidence boost or whatever the case may be. You can get a lot from from this. Muggsy, that is amazing what you just shared. Quick follow-up before you go. So you got divorced, and then you and your wife found your way back to each other. So what have the last seven years been like? It's been unbelievable. It's been unbelievable, man. It's nothing like um, having your partner and uh, having a partner that you started that that journey with at the beginning. You know, we got two beautiful kids uh, with one another. And, um, of course, I got an older daughter that's not by my wife. But, uh, you know, me and my wife – I mean, I've been knowing her since I was 21 years old. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy knowing that we came from the same place in Baltimore, that we was able to come down here in North Carolina to start a, a life, and uh, things didn't go as we planned. Uh, we went out separate ways. Seven years later, you know, we found our way back. We both was in, you know, relationship things that happened to me, especially, and as well for her. Uh, I lost a a person that I was involved with uh, through the breast cancer. So a lot of things that happened in our lives, and but we able to find ourselves back with each other. And uh, again, God has plans for us where we only realize. Uh, Muggs, I'm trying so hard to let you go, but you just keep saying things that are just amazing. Would you finally admit, or would you finally agree with this? Like when you consider what you've overcome, the adversity faced, would you also agree that everything good is on the other side of hard? Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, I ain't got to expand on it no more. This book is entitled My Life from a Kid in the Projects to the Godfather of Small Ball. It is available everywhere. It is a great read. Muggsy, it is so, so good to get caught up. It is great to have you on this podcast. Thank you for spending so much time. That was just an absolute blast. Oh, thanks for having me, Joe. It was pretty good catching up with your partner. It's been too long in between. What a great, great dude. And an amazing example of just how far the right mindset and total dedication can take you. And I'm not just talking hoops here. The man's entire outlook on life is a great inspiration. He had so many interesting things to say in this chat that I could not stop firing off questions. So my thanks to Muggsy for carving out a big chunk of time for the original side hustle. And if you like what you just heard, there are a lot more conversations just like that one headed your way because we drop a fresh ep every single week. So be sure to keep an eye out for episode 218 next week and consider taking a second to subscribe. That way, that episode will find its way right to you and you never have to worry about tracking it down yourself. And in the meantime, do not forget to check out any of the 200 plus episodes that we already have in the can because they all hold up. As always, thanks so much for listening. I'm out. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.